Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 330. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Assistant Editor Tucker Marcus. Yeah, and we ain't got no Alex Lopez this week. No, it's the uh, ghost of Alex Lopez is here. <laughs> I'm trying to think of things he would say. Just ghost beard. Yeah, ghost beard. Ooh, a ghost beard. Uh, but Alex is a little under the weather, so it's the dynamic duo of Panagos right. and Marcus here for your listening pleasure. If you are just joining us on This Week in Marvel, we're going to talk about some of our favorite issues that came out this week. There's four terrific Marvel comics. There are a lot of Marvel comics oh, yeah. that we love this week. You can hear about all the others on the poll list, which is available right now. And then we also are going to talk about the news, get your questions and comments, all that good stuff, because it's This Week in Marvel. It's it what is, we do. It's This Week in Marvel. Yeah. But we're going to kick things off first with some of the biggest news of the week. Yeah. Uh, there's a fresh start happening for yes. Marvel comics. And that means new creative teams, new series, new directions, new beginnings. It kicks off in May, but starts right now because we've released a teaser video that you can watch on your YouTubes or wherever you, you watch video. A little bit of a teaser. You can also go to marvel.com slash fresh start and learn a little bit. But there are three books that jumped out right at the top oh, yeah. that I can't not talk about. Avengers number one by Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. You got Thor Odinson, Steve Rogers, Tony Stark. You got the, the big three, the triumvirate, yeah. the true trinity if you will, and they have to save the world from total annihilation at the hands of the most powerful enemies yet. 2,000-foot-tall space gods known as Celestials. I legitimately love the Celestials so much. I've thought about getting a Celestial tattoo. Because they're just that'd like, be sick. these gnarly Jack Kirby designs, yeah. right? It's going to be so big and so fun and so cool. You're also going to get the prehistoric Avengers back. Oh, yeah. you know, we saw those in the Marvel Legacy one-shot. Yeah. I'm excited. This book is great. That's going to be on sale May 2nd. And we have a new Black Panther series uh, written by ta Coates, penciled by Daniel Acuna, covers by Daniel Acuna. And it's a new direction. For years, T'Challa has fought off invaders from his homeland, protecting Wakanda from everything, from meddling governments to long-lost gods. Now, he will discover that Wakanda is much bigger than he ever dreamed. Across the vast multiverse lies an empire founded in T'Challa's name. We caught a glimpse of this in Marvel Legacy number one, again, mm -hmm. going back to Legacy number yeah. one. Now we find out the truth behind the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. That tells you some, but believe you me, <laughs> it does not tell you all. I'm so excited. Oh. Uh, also excited for Venom number one by Tucker's best friend. Oh, yeah. Writer Donnie Cates and my training buddy, Ryan Stegman on art. I love in the, the solicit. That says, a venom nightmare, 1,000 years in the making. <laughs> the description for it is, in the wake of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s collapse, an ancient and primordial evil has been awakened beneath the streets of New York. And with it, something equally evil has awakened in that most wicked of web slingers. Venom! Still a lethal protector of the innocents in New York, this never-before-seen threat could force Venom to relinquish everything it holds dear, including Eddie Brock. Again, this is such a cool story and so weird and big mm -hmm. and that is kind of in donnie's wheelhouse yeah, as a exactly. writer and just knowing ryan gets to draw oh. venom more and more I, i've loved what he did on the venom inc crossover watching the the fallout of the announcement on twitter mm. was so fun people are freaking out about it and i think everyone is in total agreement that 
this is the book that Donnie Cates was born to write. Yeah, and it's the 30th anniversary. Oh. We had Donnie in Marvel headquarters during the creative retreat. I love Donnie. And he was wearing a Venom jacket he made himself. <laughs> I think he was wearing a Venom t-shirt. He might have had on Venom pants or something. I don't know. He was, he was all Venomed out. It was terrific. But that's not the only big news this week because, of course, this week is the release of Marvel Studios' Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Bring it home. Are you kidding? It's so good. So good. We actually released a video that I shot with Mr. Taika Waititi, and we got to play some games with him, answer some of your questions and comments. So when I ask you guys to send us questions and comments, sometimes it's going to be read by directors or actors or the comic creators. So we always want you guys participating. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email us at twinpodcast.marvel.com. But Taika was... A delight. This video was a huge deal for me personally. One of my questions that I submitted to you for the interview, you asked it. Not only did you ask it, you said this is a question from Tucker Marcus. And then Tucker, Taika, Taika, Tucker, they sound similar. The man himself did some fun jokes about how our names sound the same. You can ask Alex Lopez. I was just watching the video at my desk, just like giggling. Like like a small child. Yeah. I loved it so much. I had a blast doing it. Taika is amazing. On the home release, there's deleted and extended scenes. There's a gag reel. There's a director's introduction, which is going to be terrific. There's the exclusive Daryl short. So obviously, remember Daryl, Thor's housemate, and that's... Uh, <laughs> going to be fun. A little bit of a special feature about Marvel Studios, the first 10 years, looking at the evolution of heroes. There's a piece called Getting in Touch with Your Inner Thor, exploring the impact Chris Hemsworth has made on the development of the character and celebrating the humor and the fun and everything that Chris has brought to the role. Uh, A focus on Hela and Valkyrie and the unstoppable women of the film. Finding Korg, a sort of tongue-in-cheek interview with Taika (laughs) on casting Korg, which is... In that Twim interview, Taika did a little bit of Korg action. He did a little bit of the Korg voice, and it, it was making me Hi, laugh. Hey, Ron. <laughs> it was <laughs> making me laugh so hard. He is so insanely funny. He's wonderful. Uh, so those are some of the special features. You can check out Marvel.com and wherever you buy your, your movie films from. I tend to buy a lot from Vudu or Amazon or Dr. iTunes. Vudu? Yeah, Dr. Voodoo. I, I just go up to him and be like, Whoa. hey, Doc, I need this movie. And he's like, Spirits of Loa. And he does his whole thing. Snake arms come out. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. He gives me a new movie. Oh, man, that's it's cool. wild. Uh, so really, really good there. Lots more news that we'll touch on later in the show. As y'all know, every I think I'm doing it every other week now. I pick a yeah. an awkward food-based phrase for you to tweet at me. Evil producer Brandon is shaking his head at this one. Uh, this week's is... Clumpy mushrooms. (laughs) And you would think, oh, that doesn't be a thing, but it has a weird connotation to it. Yeah. Clumpy mushrooms. (laughs) Especially when you have to say it. Uh, It's that that you sound. Mm -hmm. The umpy mushrooms. Mm. Yeah. Tweet that to me, Agent M, before March 2nd. Maybe something cool happens. Does not apply if I gave you something in the last couple of weeks. I like (laughs) hearing from new voices, but all are welcome to give it a shot. Um, this week we are recording it early. So my, one of my cats, I have five cats, love my cats, Lola. She is getting surgery for cancer. She's getting a splenectomy Mm. and, um, hopefully she'll be home by the time you read this, but I'm going to be a nervous wreck. So give me them positive thoughts and feelings. I literally sleep with her. She curls up inside the crook of my right arm or Mm. like, so she's here. I have one of my other cats on my left side and one cat 
by my legs. And Your so, wife sleeps on the couch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, we have a king size bed because if we didn't, it would be yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, but I love my cats, and I, I, uh, I am. It's it's been a very harrowing and uh, nervous time for us uh, dealing with her her sickness. Um, on to other stuff. Toy Fair was this past weekend. I went with Mr. Alex Lopez. We had a blast. We went to the Hasbro showroom, shot a live stream. You could check that out on Marvel's Facebook page. There we showed off Marvel Hero Vision and a bunch of other toys. The Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, oh. I posted a video of that as well. It is a giant infinity gauntlet that you put your hand in and there are little rings <laughs> on the inside and it makes noise and it glows and the, the fingers are fully articulate. It's a hundred dollars comes out this spring. It is incredible. People were losing their minds over that one, myself included. And as someone who may or may not have come into some sort of contact or not contact with the actual infinity gauntlet, was it cool? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was still really cool. <laughs> also, uh, we saw lots of really cool stuff at the Javits Center for Toy Fair proper. There were samurai figures. Mezco's 112 collection is so cool. So while I was there, I recorded a little mini episode of This Week in Marvel. Check that out. Get a little sense of the stuff that I was excited about in the moment at Toy Fair and what you guys will be seeing and buying and, and getting excited about as well. You can find all the photos of the stuff that I talk about. It's all on my Twitter at Agent M. Our interview for this week is Kelly Thompson. Oh, yeah. She's the bomb. At long last. Yeah. And I had a blast talking with her, so stay tuned for that interview a little bit later in the show. But time now for us to get into the books, four books that we've chosen. We're going to kick things off with Infinity Countdown. Mm -hmm. Prime, number one. I was so hyped for this. One, it's an oversized issue. Yeah. You've got tons of story pages. Plus, you've got cool like extras at the front and the back. So the book actually opens up with an infographic about the Infinity Stones that adds a cool thought to the stones in their new iteration. Because in Secret War, the multiverse was destroyed mm -hmm. and was rebirthed, right? So we look at post-Secret Wars as a new universe. Mm -hmm. There's new rules, there's new things, there's some things that have changed and tweaked, and you see it in different books of, like, something's off, you know, yeah. Loki especially, he is pinpointing some things. Mm -hmm. But with that comes the Infinity Stones, and they're different. Now, this infographic at the beginning, it tells you each his main function mm -hmm. and how they work with each other in concert, because in the past, each one had its place, and kind of factored into each other. This one explicitly now says the soul powers the mind stone. The mind stone powers the power stone. Power stone, you know, mm -hmm. each one factors into the other in how the wielder can utilize it. So with one, you have a, some power, but with each other one, you get more. But it's like Mega Man. So let's say you get the soul stone. Well, you want to get the mind stone, you need to have the power of the soul stone in order to get the mind stone. So you need that one before you can get the power stone. Mm -hmm. And if you want the time stone, you've got to go through hoops to get that because you got to get the power, then you got to get the space, and then you can get the time. Mm -hmm. It's all about building the right weaponry and going about it the right way. There's the sporty stone, the ginger stone, the posh stone. My favorite is the scary stone, 
Terrific. <laughs> the Stone Girls. The Stone Girls. Oh, boy. Stop right now. Thank you very much. Yep. So that's a lot of talk about the beginning, but it's so brilliant. I had to bring it up. We dive right into the, the issue itself, and it's written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Diodato Jr., colors by Frank Martin, letters by Corey Petit, and it opens somewhere in the wilds of Canada with Wolverine, true Wolverine, mm-hmm. you know, the Wolverine we've always known who died. He is back. We don't know exactly how he's back, but this is the first story where we really, like, we're getting Wolverine, yep. and he's just hanging out, talking to a wolf. He's like, hey, wolf, you should split. <laughs> I got some business going on. Beautiful lettering job at the bottom of the page. Oh, where so the, cool. The panel is snicked. That is the whole frame of the panel, and then the art is inside that. It's just wonderful stuff. We see Wolverine in the wilderness. Claws popped out. He's wearing his jacket. You know, he's got his dungarees on. He's got his cowboy hat. He's ready for a fight. And it's a bunch of Ultron-y robots. Now, if you were reading Guardians of the Galaxy, you know these Ultron-y robots were starting to spread around the galaxy and cause trouble. But they're not just Ultron-y. They are part of the Pimtron Collective. So Hank Pym, Ultron merged together, and they are here. They're looking for the stones. That is bad news. Wolverine happens to have a stone. We see a great fight where he's utilizing the space stone. A wonderful line in here. After Wolverine does a little bit of teleporting, he says, boy, Bamfin is fun, which is great. <laughs> he obviously understands now why Nightcrawler is in such a yeah, good yeah, 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 yeah. He may, be, he may look like a demon, but teleporting <laughs> is the bee's knees. But then out of nowhere shows Loki. Wonderful storytelling by Frank Martin, the colorist, on top of Diodato's art because there's a a page in this fight that is blanketed in red. There's other colors in here, but the red parts really accentuate the violence and the blood and the terror. There's a shot of an eyeball skewered in here. Thankfully, Loki is a god and a little bit more hardy (laughs) than others. But this fight has massive gore and violence so a little bit of a warning there but it's beautifully rendered (laughs) there's also a line in here loki being snarky being sassy makes a joke about wolverine holding on to the stones wolverine's like put the stone in my pocket there's more stones i got more pockets and loki's (laughs) like yeah you'll have the infinity dungarees (laughs) i want a pair of infinity dungarees those would be great but this is really an issue that tells us hey Here are the main players. Here are the people who have the Infinity Stones. Because these are the people that there's going to be action around. There's going to be people going after them. There's chaos and calamity. The second stone wielder, I think, is going to be a huge surprise. And it will allow for some really cool storytelling possibilities as we get into this. Because it's not a character you would even consider having an Infinity Stone. But I don't want to give away too much because I do want you guys to check this out. I got to talk about Diodato a little bit. There's a... Bottom half to a page. Really, it's just one panel, but it's gridded out in a way that he does in a lot of his work. He sort of breaks up some of the big panels with lines that intersect through it. Doesn't change the panel so much as add a little bit of a depth to it, I guess. But it's got Ant-Man, Lil Groot, Rocket, and Nova sitting and chilling. It's done in a way that feels natural, and yet they're sitting in size order. And... It guides the eye. It tells the story. It shows their characters. It's a very subtle thing, but it's to me, it's just another exhibit of how masterful an artist he is and how 
wonderful it is to see Diodato work on a big book like this. Mm-hmm. Just he adds so much to a story that's already incredible. So in the pull list, we talked about the return of Sakar and how that was a mystery in the pages of Incredible Hulk. Well, here we find out who has the stone that has powered the return of Sakar. We get a little bit of a sense of how this has happened mm-hmm. and why Sakar is back. And the person who holds the stone is named Clert, the Super Scroll. Super Scroll, great character, classic Fantastic Four villain. He essentially has the powers of the Fantastic Four. The Super Scrolls are sort of engineered to have multiple powers more than the shape-shifting abilities. Mm-hmm. And so Super Scroll became a big deal. He was a champion for the the Skrulls. Always kind of got punked out a little bit, but <laughs> it was still cool. In the Annihilation series, there's a really great Super Scroll story. So if you've never read Annihilation, highly suggest you check that out to get a sense of how cool that character is. But this book, it's like boom, 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 boom. We see who has a soul stone and who takes it from them. We see Thanos on a throne of dead bodies and blood, essentially. A bone throne. A bone throne. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody goes to the bone zone, but there is a bone throne in this bone episode. Throne. The soul stone wielder is such a great moment. Like there's yeah. a character who is tied to Adam Warlock who shows up in here and you think, wow, this is going to be really cool. And he's talking to a character whose head he's cut off and they're sitting on Ego, the living planet. And there's just so many big things. And then boom, it just takes a big swerve, left turn. There's so many bits and pieces to this. This is the prime issue really kicking off the series. And I can't wait. The next issue, we get Infinity Countdown number one, proper. That comes out in March. That's Jerry Duggan, Aaron Cooter. Really excited. But there's still more to this issue, Tucker. But wait, there's more. Yes. In this issue, we get the saga of the Infinity Stones. This tells you really where they've shown up, how they first came up, what their story is. We get a lot of choice panels of Thanos, of Adam Warlock, of what has gone on with the stones over the years, who they've fallen to, how they were destroyed, brought back, what the members of the Illuminati had had to do with them. The hood had them. And now we see, you know, Wolverine and other characters with them. It is a true saga. This is a great primer for everything Infinity Countdown. All right. So we had to talk about Infinity Countdown Prime, but I also have two picks of my own specifically. Black Panther annual number one being the first of them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is a huge issue. Annuals, you know, those once a year sort of fun celebrations of characters, giving you stories that aren't necessarily in the main book. And this one gives us three. And it's a celebration of three legendary eras of Black Panther comics. There's the first one that's a Black Panther story set in the present called Back in Black. It's written by Christopher Priest or just Priest as he's listed Uh in here, which he's gone by before. Art by Mike Perkins and colors by Andy Troy. This brings us a new Everett K. Ross story. If you've seen Marvel Studios Black Panther, which I hope you have, or you're going to see it again, then you know how important Everett is. And it's so good to see Priest writing T'Challa and Everett Ross again. But it's set in the current era of Black Panther. And oh God, I've missed Ross and his shenanigans. (laughs) In the issue, we also get to see the Hatu Sarase and the White Wolf and Malice, who is an evil Dora Milaje, a.k.a. Nakia, mm. dun dun dun, and this is a fine reminder of, of why it was so good. 
The second story in the book is a little tale set in an alternate past. It's called Panther's Heart, written by Don McGregor and art by Daniel Cunha. Now, a while ago, not long after he became the Black Panther, T'Challa fell in love with an American woman named Monica Lynn. In the books, they eventually broke up, but he never stopped caring for her. And this is a heartbreaking tale written by Don McGregor, art by Daniel Cunha. It's Panther traversing the wild landscape of Wakanda to get the heart-shaped herb, the thing that helps give the Black Panther special powers. And it's kind of against the rules for him to do this, to use this in a way that isn't for the ceremony, right? Mm -hmm. And really what this is is just a a story celebrating and saying goodbye uh, of love and of loss and you know Don McGregor's run on Black Panther is legendary. Mm-hmm. This story is just heartbreaking about the life and death of a woman to child. Mm-hmm. And a preview of things to come from Daniel Cunha. Yes, very true. Which is really exciting. And our third story of the issue is written by Reggie Hudlin, art by Ken Lashley, colors by Matt Mila. It is a story set in an alternate future. Where the other one was an alternate past, this one's an alternate future. It's called Black to the Future Part 2. So good. Yes. This one sort of posits that Storm and Black Panther got married. And in this alternate timeline, their marriage, their union resulted essentially in an amazing dynasty. Wakanda went to war with the United States, but it saw Wakanda become the ruling power of the entire world. And sort of them in peace. And it's T'Challa talking to one of his granddaughters. They're walking through a trophy room. And it's like you could see Ares' helmet. You could see a sentinel head. You could see Strife's armor, Dr. Doom's helmet. And it's a conversation between T'Challa and his granddaughter talking about how they got there, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. If you listen to the show, you know I love sort of the what ifs and the alternate storylines. Wonderful stuff. Perfect timing for this annual Highly suggest you pick it up. My pick this week is The Mighty Thor 704. It's written, of course, by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Dodderman, colors by Matt Wilson, the all-star team right there. Jane has kind of been taken out of the fray in recent issues. She has bounced back and forth a little bit, but mainly really she's been confined to her hospital bed on Earth trying to uh, recover, trying to survive her cancer and receiving treatment. And uh, it's worse than ever. She's in in pretty dire straits here. The issue starts with a flashback Mm -hmm. of Jane talking to her mother, who her mother looks like she's dealing with the same thing. Her mother dealing with cancer and this conversation. And Jane's mom sick and telling Jane to find a God to believe in. We don't start small. We don't start light and fluffy. This is them going full in and saying, this is what we're tackling. This is where we're going with it. Boom. It's pretty much a mirror image to when we bounce to now, which is when Jane is in the exact same position as her mother was, and she's contemplating the direction that her mom gave her. She says that her mom told her to find a God to believe in, and she says, instead, the gods found me. And uh, as we kind of see Jane narrate that and look back on where her, her belief system is and what she thought of as a child to all the 
incredible reality she's been exposed to as an adult. As she's speaking about that, the transitions in this issue are just incredible. As we jump from these kind of quiet, contemplative moments in the face of death in one very specific way, we leap across the universe to the face of death in a very different way on Asgardia, where Thor is going head-to-head, face-to-face with Mangog, and it is just all the action that we have come to expect as the Mangog has been tearing through the realms. You also have Toothgrinder, mm-hmm. one of Thor's goats, and you have Odin's ravens in the fight, yeah. which is such a cool little touch. There's a great line in here where Thor's like, I've killed you before. I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. And Magog's like, I've come back and I'm more powerful than ever. And my hatred fuels me even more. It's just some gnarly metal writing oh, that, yeah. that oh, yeah. Jason puts together. Will we ever say enough about Russell Dodderman and Matt Wilson on The Mighty Thor? No. I don't think we can. You have these two or three page stretches of each side of the story. Mm-hmm. You have two or three pages of Jane either in flashback or currently in the hospital or thinking about times in her life and the coloring fits those things. There's mm-hmm. when she's in the hospital and she's fighting her cancer, the colors are muted. Yeah. It's drab. It, it feels sick. Mm-hmm. When you go to the battle between Thor Odin and Mangog, it's bright. It's explosive. There's lightning, there's fire. It's big and bold. And it clicks 1,000%. Literally, even how the Mangog page kind of literally tears across the book as if it's like ripping the page itself and how that contrasts with just the clean parallel lines and just very linear, clear storytelling of the other side is just, it's these little, little notes that are what make this book so exceptional. Again, we're bouncing back to Asgard as the panels collapse in on themselves as Asgardia itself is destroyed. Lady Freya is now in the hands of of Mangog, and we see that word of Asgardia's destruction has reached Midgard. There's a call for the Avengers, and Jane knows what's happening, and she has to make this decision of... Does she stay in the hospital? Does she do what's necessary to to fight her illness? Or does she go and embrace the hammer once again? Mjolnir floats outside of her window kind of waiting for her. Yeah. We talk a lot about this book about how heavy it is. You know, death, destruction, cancer, sickness, all this stuff, religion and faith and but there's also the funny moments because you have Thori, the, Mm -hmm. the hellhound, who is trying to protect Jane from from any hammers. He's trying to keep <laughs> yeah. the hammers away. And it's just a sweet little moment. She's making up her mind. And she has this line of dialogue that she says to herself about fighting the cancer. And yeah. how, you know, she's like, I would have beaten you. Yeah. You know, I, w- I would have done it. But she knows she has a greater responsibility. Mm-hmm. And there are more important things that she needs to do for the universe. Mm-hmm. These last couple pages. Yeah. Are- Th- this page right here, it's the second or third to last page as... Jane grasps the hammer one more time and we kind of get this incredible almost montage like feel between the the bubbles of what Mangog is saying and what a flashback to what Stephen Strange warned her about to what the Odin son is going through and then to the hellhound and we end up in the place that I 
I think we always knew where we would end up, which is Thor is back. Yeah. And she's going to fight. And she's going to fight. And I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be just incredible. Cannot wait for the last two. Yeah. Tremendous. I will say without hyperbole that this will go down. Jason's overall run on Thor will go down as probably the greatest run of Thor comics. Yep. We've seen so far. Yep. Uh, and especially this saga of Jane mm-hmm. is up there as some of the greatest. Yeah, it's been so great to see as this series comes to a close to see people online talking about it and to see the kind of common consensus get formed that we're witnessing one of the great runs of comic books ever happening right now. Truly. Speaking of ends of runs, we've got Generation X number 87. How is this the final issue? Oh. This is a bummer and a half, but it's written by Christina Strain, art by Amal Carpina, colors by Felipe Sobrero, letters by Clayton Cowles. And I had Gen X as one of my favorites a few times on the show during this run, but this is probably my favorite favorite, and it comes as the, the final issue of the series. Uh, at the end of the last issue, we saw the Jubilee got our powers back, and then blammo, here we go in this issue. It's off and running, fireworks Jubilee, back in action, and it's done in such a cool character-building way that elevates Quentin Quire mm. while also giving so much to Jubilee. It's a really interesting thing. Quentin sacrifices his Phoenix Shard for her, reignites her powers, burns out the, the vampirism, whatever comic book magic, it Mm -hmm. all makes sense because it's awesome and shows that he's still kind of a jerk in his own ways, but it just builds on his character. Yeah. There's a lot of depth to Quentin Quire, thanks to the writers who put their stamp on him. Now, the kids and the teachers use their brains and their hearts to beat the big bad. Big bad being, you know, possessed Monet Saint-Croix. It's almost like uh, Buffy in a way. They have this big bad and it feels like a a real team effort Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, very emotionally invested in in the battle as well. We get happy endings to the max here, and that's all I'm really in for. I I want happiness in some of my comics. There's smooching and hugging and loving looks between characters and sass. Sass. And those little funny moments like the ongoing thread between iBoy and Nature Girl discussing all the weird stuff that's happening with animals and because Nature Girl can talk to animals, and so... She did this thing a couple issues ago where she negotiated with the rats (laughs) what she negotiated and what's going to happen. We don't know whether there's a there's just an ominousness to it. That's really funny. Knowing that Christina Strain and her husband are adoptive parents particularly makes the final lines in the book really ring true and wonderful to me, who is uh, waiting to be an adoptive father. The line is we don't always get to choose the family we're born with. But that doesn't mean we can't make one for ourselves. That's Jubilee. She's an adoptive mother. There's just a number of really cool things in here. It's a great ending to the book. But yeah, happy endings. That makes me happy. Yay. Time for new, 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 new. That's our new jingle. I like it. Oh, yeah. It's real good. Should we just start doing jingles for each new segment? Yeah. Not a lot of comics news this week, uh, aside from stuff we talked about at the top of the show, but the solicits just came out, which means, you know, all the new announcements for comics that are coming out in May Mm -hmm. uh, hit the interwebs, and we'll have a bunch of news stories 
following up on that over the next couple of weeks. So we'll be talking a little bit more in depth about some of that stuff next week and the week after. So don't think that there ain't nothing happening with comics. On the games front, Shuri is now in the Battle Realm for Marvel Puzzle Quest, which is cool. She's awesome. She's the best. For all you Luna Snow fans out there, which there are so many so quickly. It's It's awesome. It's dope. The music video is now on the YouTube, so you can check that out. We'll put a link in the article for you guys, and the article will be linked in the show notes. So it's like a breadcrumb trail. you got to follow it. Like Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, I'm Hansel and you're Gretel. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, And in Marvel Contest of Champions news, there's a new update coming real soon by the time you guys are listening to this. Or if you're you're like a a late bloomer and you like to listen to your episode a couple days after we release it, then maybe it's already live. It hits Monday, February 26th, and it's got Bishop. You know, I thought about this when we read a recent issue of Astonishing X-Men. I think Bishop's my favorite X-Men. Right? he's, He's so great. He's so cool. Uh, there's also an, a Sentinel that's coming to the game later in the week. But yeah, Bishop is the coolest dude. Yeah. And I always think about it because I was re- that was like formative time for me when I was reading comics when Bishop was introduced. And his first appearance, he comes out, he's like, giant guns, Wills Partacio, <laughs> art. I want to curse a lot right yeah, now because yeah, yeah, it yeah. just like gets me all fired <laughs> up. And he's got the big tattoo and he's yeah. got his two boys with him. He's got Malcolm and Randall. And those <laughs> names are burned into oh, yeah. my brain. Yeah, that's Malcolm great. and Randall who get offed immediately. They are <laughs> chumped out. They are just like, they're the emotional grist for like you to feel for right. Bishop. Yes. You're like, oh no, his friends just got killed. Not ah, Malcolm and Randall. <laughs> Bishop is the greatest. I want him in everything forever and ever. Uh, and if you are not reading Astonishing X-Men, you need to read it because oh, Charles great. is doing some cool stuff with Bishop in that book. In TV and animation news, Marvel's Jessica Jones is still angry in a brand new trailer for season two, which will arrive to Netflix on March 8th. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. The trailer's so good. It's great. It was fun because I was watching the cold weather athletic competitions. Yep. They just had TV spots for Jessica Jones, which is, it's fun to see that, you know, in the middle of mainstream television, you see Jessica Jones just show up, punch a dude through a wall, be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. In Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we have the last two art pieces for the Road to 100, Road to 100 episodes. Uh, They're up now. Season four is from Raza, who we've spoken about so often on the show. He's an incredible artist. He's done some amazing covers for us. And season five comes from the artist Stonehouse. Stonehouse is arguably the greatest name for an artist of all time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And the 100th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will premiere on Friday, March 9th at 9, 8 central on ABC. Go check it out. That's a big one. That's huge. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's exciting. Yeah. And in final TV news, this is so cool. Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur are headed to TV. It's in development now. It's based on the hit comic book series, which will follow the adventures of the nine-year-old super genius Lunella Lafayette and the crimson-colored dino that we all love so much. She's the smartest one in the universe. It's so perfect. I love that we're doing this television show based on the comic, which was created by Brandon Monclair, Amy Reeder, and Tasha Bustos, colored by Tamara Bonvillain. But when I first heard about it, it was like, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne is involved. Oh, okay. Like that to me was just like, great, sign me up. Here's all my money yeah, and you can use my body 
for like <laughs> I don't know fuel to to fund the Whoa. To, yeah whatever whatever you need like an ad campaign yeah a new tattoo put a tattoo Moon on girl my devil face. dinosaur coming to TV totally it's uh, cinema gypsy productions is uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Helen Suglin's production company they're the producers of Blackish and Grownish. I love Blackish yeah. so much. And Titmouse is actually the animation development company behind mm-hmm. it. So Titmouse has done Uncle Grandpa or Big Mouth, that show that's on Oh yeah. Yeah, that's on Netflix. Uh Son of Zorn, the animation for that. Moonbeam City. I am so upset that that show didn't last longer because mm-hmm. it was incredible. <laughs> they are so good. The Venture Brothers, maybe you've heard of that show. There's so many things that Tim Mouse has done. So having them with Lawrence Fishburne and with our characters, I just can't wait for this to really come to fruition. I'm excited. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. On the movie front, Black Panther brought in a record-breaking $242 million domestically over the holiday weekend. It is amazing incredible it was it was so cool to see like the early projections like a month or two ago of like how much opening weekend would do and then just as the weeks went on that number kept going up and up and up and even the final projection like going into the weekend still got blown out of the water it's just unbelievable yeah everything about it is insane is wonderful hopefully you guys uh have seen it already but i think you should see it again see it a billion times also, talking about Black Panther, the king of Wakanda himself and the Dora Milaje are now at Disneyland Resort. You can go to Disney California Adventure Park and see Black Panther there. For a limited time, he will arrive in the Hollywood backlot area of the park, flanked by the Dora Milaje. And you can it's like meet and greet, take pictures with him. It's so cool. Oh, I yeah. can't wait to see the pictures and the excitement and everything for fans who get to meet Black Panther and the Dora. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. It's great. Yes, yes, y'all. Oh, we need a jingle, Tucker. Oh, um... Questions! Questions and comments. And comments. All right, so it's time for <laughs> questions and comments, where we take your, you believe it, questions and comments, oh. using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel on Twitter, or you can email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. First up is at Lex Pendragon says... I have no desire for anything, but I wanted to shout Lumpy Tuna anyways. Give that prize to anyone else. This wasn't tweeted at me, so I didn't even see it. You're very sneaky. Anyway, Lex continues. He says, this feels like I'm answering with a cheat because the character is only Avenger in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not the Marvel Comics Universe. But Clark Gregg's portrayal of Agent Coulson is the best in the comics. Unstoppable Nadia has stolen my heart. So those are great answers to our question from last week. Who's your favorite Avenger? Yeah. Agent Coulson is a terrific character no matter if he's running shield going rogue he's got his fake hand whatever it is and as an avenger you better believe it and then yes wasp is she's a breakout star of the last couple years i love her so much tj young at the tj young 89 says i was told to tweet hashtag lumpy tuna to agent n of this week in marvel so that's what this is not proud of the hashtags but it is what it is <laughs> that's exactly what i'm looking for in these weird yeah. weird tweets like uncomfortableness yeah, just like all right fine embarrassment because <laughs> uh, if you can get past that it builds character yeah right like if you could tweet something publicly that just seems weird it'll break down barriers for yourself yeah, yeah, i'm helping yeah. way to go tj captain rogers 44 says gotta say my favorite avenger like my name states is captain america but i also have a big love for captain marvel and hawkeye who are very close seconds borderline tied wow. with steve these days nice yeah those are 
all excellent choices. The more and more, as I get older, mm-hmm. I think I connect more with Hawkeye as like just that dude who is he's doing it even though the odds are completely against him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rodrigo Marcondes at Marcondes R10 says, My favorite Avenger is the Amazing Spider-Man because when Nebula assumed control over the covert research project that nearly wiped out existence, our Avengers could have died into the void alongside humanity if my great friend didn't disconnect the power energy cord at the right time. That is a reference right there. I dig that. Yeah, Spider-Man is, you know, an interesting one because for the longest time he was not an Avenger. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was a reserve member or he helped out where he could, but it wasn't until... Brian Michael Bendis and David Finch launched New Avengers in the early aughts where Spider-Man was like a member of the Avengers. It was like Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Wolverine, like that team. Right. And so now, of course, yeah, you think of him as an Avenger. But for a long time, he he was not. He was Mm -hmm. very much his lone wolf. Right. Cool. Great answer, Rodrigo. Simon Williams says, Twim of the Week 4, February 14th, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 29. He says, this comic proves once again that hashtag friendship is dope. I still want that as a T-shirt. Um, Simon says, also seeing Commander Sutori reminded me of Beerus from Dragon Ball Super. I definitely get that <laughs> reference, Simon. Actually thought about Beerus and I thought about Lion Cat from Saga. Uh, another one from Simon says, I honestly can't decide who my favorite Avenger is. It's between Black Panther, Scarlet Witch, and Squirrel Girl. Great choices. Yeah. Black Panther, he was my vote. He's terrific. Scarlet Witch, I think, is is an interesting one. That, that, that be, to yeah, me is a good curveball because yeah. she arguably destroyed the Avengers before right. and has gone through a good redemption arc over the years. So mm-hmm. cool choices. Josh Cooper uh, at Commander Socket says, the problem with picking a favorite Avenger is everyone has been one. The ever-loving blue-eyed thing, Kamala Khan, both wasps. So hard to pick. And don't forget Voyager. I've loved her since the original Stanley Jack Kirby run. You know, it's a great point. She's been around for decades remember reading her. I'm sure you remember reading her yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Yes. Yeah. Oft forgotten after, you know, the, those horrific events where she yep. was lost to time and mm-hmm. space. But yes, she is one of the all-time greats. <laughs> Sam Mason at Captain EMT6 says, this is how I think Sorcerer Supreme Loki feels all the time. And it's a picture from Pirates of the Caribbean where uh, someone tells Jack Sparrow, you were actually telling the truth. And he says, I do that quite a lot, yet people are always surprised. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> That's a great point. Also, Caribbean or Caribbean? Ooh, I don't know. I don't... Caramel or caramel? Caramel? What are, what are you, garbage? <laughs> oh, okay. What's wrong with you? Oh, geez. Oh, is there a similarly emphatic answer for Caribbean or Caribbean? No, oh, okay. I feel like both are right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Caramel. <laughs> what are you just... you just um, omitting letters from it? You're just like, oh, Caramel. Caramel. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Up next, I did get a great email from Metalord52 Workshop saying, my favorite Avenger is Red Hulk from the U.S. Avengers series. You can have all of your Green Hulks. I just like the fact that they have a huge, red, bulky guy with machine guns and a mustache and sunglasses. Also, the USA flag pants really top it off for me. Twim of the week is Old Man Hawkeye number two. Did you see the lizard head on the first page? I wonder if that was actually the lizard. It would be a good touch. Also, the Venom Madrox gang is a great addition to the Old Man Loganverse. Send my regards to Mr. Ethan Sachs. Here's this one. This one is all for you, Tucker. Oh, right? I can see it coming. Colored it in red. It says, a question for Tucker. Can he sing every episode? Look at me. I'm as helpless as a kid up a tree. 
Did you just make that up, or is that from... This is Misty. It's one of the great standards of the great American songbook, dude. <laughs> I like that you had to throw, like, a dude in there. Dude, I'm tough. <laughs> uh, so there you got a little bit of singing, Metal Lord. You're welcome, Metal Lord. I'm deeply sorry, everyone else. Yes. Uh, and this is the last line from Metal Lord. says, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about Marvel characters. It's called The Nerdy Marvel Show. Please mention it. And I am because I checked out the channel. You're doing great work, Metal Lord. I appreciate your love and enthusiasm and excitement. And thank you for listening and watching and being being awesome. Way so, to go, man. That's so great. Yeah. Good job. All right. So last one from the community in here is from at Jimsta to the gym says, my friend is trying to get into comics. She has never read any. What trades would you recommend? I love this question, question. Jimmy. Great one. And it's also a super tough one. And I'll tell you why. Because the way I always answer this is with a question back. It is, what kind of stories does your friend like? Because that helps paint where we could direct you. Mm -hmm. There's so many different types of comics that we put out. You have mature reader war comics like we've talked about with uh, Punisher the Platoon over on the pull list, or sort of spy espionage buddy cop books like Tales of Suspense. Right. There's the giant superhero action books like Avengers or right now X-Men Gold, big cosmic epics like mm -hmm. Infinity Gauntlet, tons of really interesting things. Some of them are darker, some of them are lighter. You know, what kind of stories and characters does your friend like is is usually the best way to start going down that route because I don't think there's necessarily one or two books that everyone will love right and that's kind of the beauty of yeah. it right there's yeah. we put something for everyone I I honestly think Unstoppable Wasp and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl mm -hmm. I would give to literally anyone Black Bolt right now I yeah. think is a fantastic book that I would easily give to anyone who wants to see sort of like what a comic can do and say and mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. Weird World from Sam Humphreys and Mike Del Mundo is another book that's a couple years old now, but it's beautiful and it's weird and it's heartfelt and it's funny. Mm -hmm. And I think you can hit so many emotions like that. Right. Uh, Daredevil by Brian Michael Bendis. His whole run was one of those books that it just gripped me every week mm -hmm. when I got it. Classic Uncanny X-Men stuff, you know, the, the Claremont Byrne era is still timeless to me. And mm -hmm. it, it, there's a lot of fun to that. What about you, Tucker? What do you think? Oh, man. I I, I think you saying Black Bolt is a revelation, really. I mean, that series has been a revelation for me. And it's so interesting from a writing perspective because the main character doesn't speak. So he has to do such interesting work to make that work. And from an art perspective, Christian Ward, it just does work like no one else. So in terms of comics that are, are running today, I mean, that, that one really shows what a comic book can be for me. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of, of comics. Again, it really goes to what kind of stories your, your friend likes. Mm -hmm. oh, Vision. Vision by Tom King yep. and uh, Gabriel Hernandez Volta. Yeah, modern classic. Oh, man. I literally could go on. Jimmy, you can also tweet at me, Agent M. Give me a little bit more info, and I'll, I'll tweet you some some other suggestions, some links, some good stuff. And that goes for anybody. If you, if you ever need a suggestion on a book to read, hit me up. I know comics. Yeah. Pretty okay. This week, you know, so many of you have already seen Marvel Studios Black Panther. I want to know what your favorite moment 
from the film oh, is. Yeah. Great question. I've been racking my brain trying to pick one single moment, and I think it would be the – I'm going to choose a, the sequence in South Korea. Yeah, like I mean, come on. It's magnificent. For me, I think about I think about all the stuff that took place in Oakland. Yeah. All right. So let us know what your favorite moment from Marvel Studios Black Panther was. That's our question of the week. We'll be back next week with another episode, all kinds of fun stuff. Reminder to tweet me your clumpy mushrooms. Bonus points if you include an appropriate, appropriate <laughs> photo or GIF. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with The Pullist on Tuesday, This Week in Marvel, later in the week. Thanks for listening. This is Marvel. Your universe.